Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living.
gotta do it. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. Woo! <laughs> I love it. Give my hand again. You know that the kicker is the thing when your name is holy, your name is awesome, all of those things that Bernard was singing and the group was singing after, that's what you are. Yes, you can clap to that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm excited today. I'm well, I'm always excited, but I don't know if I can hold it in today. <laughs> I feel like I was on, was it the burning bowl? <laughs> Uh-huh, yeah, woo, that's right, we were, weren't we? <laughs> we need no more fire. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right, right. <laughs> so I do have a cute little joke that I want to start off with. I was trying to, um, well, I have one that someone told me, um, and well, no, I won't tell that one because it has the H-E-L double, double hockey sticks in it. I don't want to say that one with kids in the room. So, right. <laughs> I'm not going to I know you did, but it's little kids in here. No, it'll be fine. I'll tell the other one. So there it's this. Um, so up in heaven, God decides to have a, he decides to do a little a survey. And so he asked all the men to line up. And he had them go into two different lines, right? And so on the right side, he said, I want all of the men who the woman was the head of the house. And so the men, you know, stood up and started lining up. And he said, and on the left side, I want all of the men who the men were the head of the house, right? And so he, he looked up and they got all situated. It took maybe a long time to get situated. So finally, he looks up and the line with the woman in charge was 100 miles long. He's looking back, wow, that's almost every man up here. So he looks over to the, the line with the, there with the men were in, in charge, and he is one man. <laughs> he says, come on, I'm kind of disappointed about this. How, how can it be that there's only one man that, is, that was ahead of the house? What, what do you think? And the guy said, I don't know, my wife told me to stand here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so cute. <laughs> oh, man, I thought that was so cute. So we, uh, we have been, we've moved into 2020 with a bang, right? We, it's, it's been exciting so far for me. What about for you guys? Yeah. Pretty much? Yes, yes, yes. So when we met two weeks ago, we had our burning bowl, right? And we released and let go of 2019 so that we could step into the, in God's flow of 2020, right? And when we did that, it was powerful for us because what we were doing is we were allowing ourselves to, to allowing God to create in us a clean heart, a clean soul, clean consciousness. And we released everything so we can clear ourselves and become new. And the scripture that we used then came from 2 Corinthians, and it was chapter 5, verse 17. And this is the New Living Translation that I'm reading from. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And so we walked into the consciousness of releasing that old life and getting excited about the new life. We even wrote a letter to God. 
stating what we felt led to, to write down and claim for 2020, right? right? Some of us might have written a novel. <laughs> I wrote just keywords on mine. And we took them home and put them in a safe place where you can still go back to the look to. Mine is in my Bible, so I can open it up and still look at it. And so this, then last week, after last week for our new name, when we moved into our new name, we still used the scripture that we were a new creature. That, that, that we were, I'm listening, that we were moving into a new name. And that new name represented the new vibration that we are. Your name represents your nature. We had shifted into a higher consciousness because we moved into I am consciousness. And the moment you move into I am consciousness, you move deeper into the frequency of who you are in Christ. When you move deeper into the frequency of who you are in Christ, every single time you are shifted and you become a new creation in Christ, because you've moved into Christ, you become that new creation, right? Because every time you go in there, you have a different, uh, you're a different person, right? So what we did was we, we asked God in our I am Christ consciousness, we asked God to bring forth the name that symbolizes that nature. That is why when we pray, we pray in the name and nature of Jesus Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus who walked in the nature of Christ. That's what we do. And so what we did was we opened ourselves up for the name that represented our new nature. When I say I am, what, when you, what I'm going to say is, what is your name? And I want you to say I am, and I want you to say your new name, okay? I am, and mine is wisdom and light. And I was like, God, why wisdom and light? I mean, it's wisdom and then light. And then I realized, when you look in, Charles created this seven days of creation that is in alignment with the seven days of creation, right? And when the light when there was light, the sun and the moon, the sun represents illumination, represents wisdom. It's like, Eureka, that's what God, God's moving me into wisdom by opening me up into a deeper awareness of spiritual understanding and then walking in that understanding. So it's like, all righty, perfect. So today, I want to move into how we can walk in that new nature, how we can walk in a new le level of consciousness, in our new life, in our new name. And the only way to truly do that is through faith. That's the only way to tru truly do that is through faith. You cannot do it without God. You cannot have faith, true faith, without God. And so, God bless you. And so what we are going to discuss today, what I want to go into, that, to that, into today is actively resting in faith. And the scripture I want to use for today comes from Hebrews, and well, this is a popular one, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and it reads, faith shows, and this is coming from the New Living Translation, the one you guys um, probably know by heart is, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the what? Evidence of things not seen, right. This, in the New Living Translation, it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And so what I want to do is I want to break down what faith is, and then we're going to break down what it means to be actively resting in faith. Faith has two components, 
And in Charles Myrtle, what Charles Myrtle says faith is, he says that it is the perceiving power of the mind linked with the power of the mind to shape substance. And when you look at what Charles Fillmore is saying versus what this is saying, faith shows the reality of things, the reality of what we hope for. So let's put this together. The reality of what we are hoping for is called an intellectual ascent. It's called coming into an awareness and an acceptance and an agreement to what it is that you hope for. And knowing that what it is that you hope are hoping for is the truth of who you are to be expressed in your life. So let's, 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 put this in, in, let's make this plain. The first part of faith is having the acceptance and being in agreement with the truth that you know. That's the first part of faith. Accepting and agreeing God's word, agreeing with God and God's word, accepting and agreeing uh, God's truth, accepting and, an agree and uh, being in agreement with spiritual law, that is the beginning of faith. The second part, the evidence of things not seen. And then with Charles Fillmore, he says, it is the power of the mind to shape substance. The evidence of things unseen is your imagination. It's going into trusting that which you've accepted and agreed to be in alignment with God's truth. You accept it to be so, and then you trust it to be so. And the way you trust it to be so is that you, perceive, you, you create an imagination of it in your mind. You learn to believe that it is so for you, so you start to feel that that is so in your life. You start to believe that it is so, so you start to move in your mind where you feel, what would it be like if I had all the money in the world? What would it feel like if I knew that I was prosperous? What would it feel like if I knew that I was never, ever, ever alone? What would it feel like if I knew that I was more than enough? And let me move that out of the way, because when you say more than enough and you put enough on there, there's still a measurement. You are infinite spirit. So what would it be if you knew I am? And that's it. And whatever it is is the truth about God, you put after that I am, and you knew it to be so. What if you trust it and have confidence in it? That's the second part of faith. The first part, you agree and you accept it to be so, and the second part is you trust and have confidence into it to the point you are imagining what it feels like to be that truth that you are touching and agreeing with God on. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so that piece, that's, that's faith right there. And that's active faith because you're doing both at the same time in the spirit realm. You're doing them both at the same time in the spirit realm. Now, what if I believe, what if I trust in the fact that I'm too short I'm too big. I'm not enough. And then I have confidence and trust in that. What do you think might happen? You create that experience in your life. And the moment you do, you are reactivating the part that was degenerating inside of you in the first place that moved you in the space of wanting to seek that you were more than enough or infinite or love or uh, never alone, always with God. You have to always be aware of what you're thinking. You know what you truly believe by what keeps running through your mind over and over again. Because after those thoughts run through your mind a certain amount of times, they become your core beliefs. 
That's what your beliefs are. That's what you're actively creating in your mind. What are you trusting God for? No, 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 let's start off. What are you accepting and agreeing with God is your truth? And then what are you trusting in and having confidence in that is connected to that truth? Think about it for a second. And then if you're not sure, look at how you feel about your life. If you're peaceful about your life, if you're comfortable about your life, if you love where your life is going, then you're actively having faith in something that you're agreeing to be so and you're accepting this so that is actually the truth about who you are, not the truth that you've accepted as second opinion that was somebody else's beliefs that you took on as yours. It's limited. You're literally walking in the absolute truth of God. Now let's, let, let, and then the second part is you're trusting and having confidence in that as well. What are you trusting in your life? What do you have confidence, true confidence, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt is so in your life? Those two are linked together. So how do we actively rest in it? I'm going to tell you a, a story about this guy. This guy, his name is Douglas Garcia, and he has this show called um, Better Living. Let's make sure I'm saying it right. It's, yeah, it's, it's Better Living. And I was watching him, Better, Li Better Life Today is the name of his show. And I was watching him. And he was talking about this, this, this um, guy named George Mueller. Anybody heard of him before? He was an uh, English evangelist. Anyway, he was, so he was using George Mueller's life as an experience of faith. But then he shared a story of himself. And I'll give you another, I'll give you some ideas about George Mueller in a second. But I wanted to share what Douglas was talking about one time. He said that he and his friends had gone hiking when they were younger. They were young adults. And while they had gone hiking, they were on their way back to the van. And the driver, and another, the driver ran off, hopped in the van, and drove off <laughs> and left him and the other guy walking. They were like, okay, he's playing some funny business here. All right. So they just kept on walking down the country road because they knew eventually he was going to turn around and come back and get them. He always plays pranks, right? So as they're walking down the country road, he starts hearing some noises some dogs, and he looks up on the hill, and it's a pack of five dogs running down at them. And he's like, OMG. <laughs> so he goes, God, I know, uh, please control these dogs that you have created. And he said it intentionally like that because he knew God was the creator. So he was touching and agreeing, accepting and agreeing that God was the creator. God who created these dogs was able to stop this, right? And so then he looks, and it didn't stop the dogs. They're still charging at them, barking and all this. And he's like, OMG, he's like, uh, God, I just prayed for you to stop these dogs. And he hears in his mind, do you really believe that I can do this? And he's like, I guess not, because I'm sitting here in fight or flight mode, ready to kick and fight these dogs. And he says, I need to trust. So he's thinking really quickly. Now, this is all happening quickly. He's saying, what can I do? How do I show evidence that I trust? He's like, I can rest and relax. So he's forcing himself while he's standing there. He's forcing himself to relax. And the moment he steps into relaxing and says, okay, God, I trust you. You do it. The dog stop. He looks up and they stop. 
Now, they've stopped in their tracks. They can't go any further, but they're still barking and getting at them. They still have their attention on them, but they can't go any further like there's an invisible gate there. They can't get any further. It was the moment he trusted and had confidence in what he prayed for as God is the creator stopping his created to stop those dogs from moving. And then when he rested in it and relaxed in it, to show evidence of his, of his confidence and faith, the dogs actually stopped. Then after a while, they turned as quickly as they came and flew away just as fast as they came towards them. Evidence. George Mueller, who is an English, like I said, English evangelist, he was talking about how he, when he was younger, he was a pistol. He used to steal, he used to lie, he used to con people out of their money. He was just a mean, but not mean, but just conniving and stealing. And he, he, he said he was a liar and a thief. And when he turned 14, his, father, his mother passed away, and his father um, wasn't really quite sure what to do with him. And by 16, he ended up in jail for a scheme, in prison, rather, for schemes that he had done. And then when he got out of prison and he ended up later on in college, he decided that he wanted to become a missionary. He, he decided that he wanted to go into ministry. His father wasn't liking that so much, so his father told him he wasn't going to pay for it. So he's sitting there in college after changing his, um, top, uh, his major, and he has no money to pay for his tuition, to pay for food, clothes, not rent, none of it. So he's sitting there thinking about how what he should do. And he hears in the back of his mind, now you've heard many people talking about asking God. He's like, how am I going to ask God for something so trivial? Now I can understand ministers praying to God and other people praying to God for something big, but I'm asking for money. That's trivia. And it, that thought just keeps nagging him. So finally he kneels and prays, right? He was trusting even though he was nervous. He knew to ask and you shall receive. He knew scripture. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open, right? So that was the part where he agreed and accepted what God's truth was, the scripture. The trusting and the confidence, he sat down and prayed. He put action to it. And when he stood up, he's like, okay, now was that in vain or that? Because this was the first time he really started to trust. Maybe about 60 minutes later, he'd kind of forgotten about it and he had heard a knock on his door and he thought it was one of his classmates. So he says, come on in ends up being one of his college professors. His college professor, and then it's a guy walking in behind him. He's like, ooh, what's going on here? So the college professor asked him, he says, you know what? This is an English professor. He was, he's come from Princeton. He wants to start going to school here, but he needs tutoring. You know German and you know English. Can, can you tutor him? And now he's thinking about how he's going to have to go get a job. God's going to show him how to get a job because that's what he's thinking is his way of getting a job. And he's like, well, Professor, I really can't because I have to go get a job and I'm going to have to work full time to pay for my tuition and everything, so I'm not going to be able to do this. And the professor says, well, you're not understanding. We're offering you a job. And the American professor says, yeah, not only that, I'll pay you double the rate. And he goes, okay, but if I tutor him eight hours a day, a day or, you know, a week or whatever, I can do that. And then, but then I still have to kind of make it up somehow by another uh, doing a job or whatever. And then the professor says, and by the way, the American professor says, by the way, I have three other colleagues who are coming in and want to be tutored as well, and they will pay you the same rate that I'm going to pay you. And he's like, OMG. 
So now, not only does he have money to pay for his tuition, he has money to take care of himself. And as he's getting, like trying to grasp this thing of really trusting God, his professor says, and by the way, there's an orphanage in the area that has a free room available that will allow the ministry students to come in and stay for a couple months. Would you be interested? He's like, oh yeah, I'll be interested. Active, actively resting in faith means that once you've prayed according to what you accepted and agreed to be true, and once you trusted and had confidence in it, you let it go and let God. You surrender it and let God. But this is the thing. You have to be patient with God's timeline. It may not come 60 minutes later like it did for George Mueller when he was 21 or when he was 92 and he was on his way to, Eng- to uh, Canada from England on his boat and it starts to get, and he's going to do the, cause he's doing his tour and he starts to, to um, look outside and he's like, oh my God, why is the boat going so slow? And, He's, and he sees all the fog. He walks down to the captain and says, Captain, um, we're slow, going really slow. I got to get to Canada by Saturday. This is Wednesday. We got to speed this up. And the captain says, have you looked outside? He says, the, 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 the fog is so thick, we have to go slow so we can be safe. There's nothing I can do. And George had already had all this experience of evidence, of trusting God. He said, I know what I'm doing. I guess I'm just going to have to ask God to get rid of it. And the captain looks at him like, okay, this is a wacky looking dude up in here. So he says, come with me, captain. Let's go pray. They go down to this room, nice and quiet, and he gets on his knees, to, and George Mueller starts praying. And he's praying a simple prayer. You don't have to be elaborate when you pray. Lord, you set up this appointment for me. The, the boat is going too slow. I need you to move this fog out the way so you can get me to this appointment that you set for me so that I can do my will. And the captain's looking over him like, okay. And so the captain's feeling obligated. <laughs> so he starts praying. And George, and, and, and George puts his hand on the captain's shoulder and says, don't waste your time. Never mind. He says, first of all, you don't even believe that God will do it. He says, second of all, I really believe God has done it. He says, captain, go open the door and look outside. The captain goes, looks out the door. The fog is gone. The fog is gone. Actively believing. He believed it that he was on a mission to be the expression of God. He touched and agreed with it and accepted it to be so. He trusted and had confidence in it, and then he went and prayed on it, and it happened. So when you let go of it and you rest in the truth that you know, you're actively resting in faith. Adam and Eve didn't actively rest in faith because they hadn't had a strong enough relationship with God to trust what God was saying. And a lot of us are in that space when we move into this. And this is connected to moving into your new name for 2020. You don't have a lot of evidence, some of us, unless you're repeating the same name that you've had maybe a year ago before or some other times in your life. You're not repeating the same name. This is new. This is new. So what may happen is like in the Bible where it, show, where, uh, it says that Satan came up and says, oh, so what did, you, what did God say about this tree? And Eve says, well, we can eat of any tree in the, in the garden, but except of the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we can't eat of it or touch it. Now, God didn't say don't touch it. God said don't eat of it. Now, she's already putting her own interpretation on there. 
instead of trusting and accepting and agreeing with what God said. Now, when you put your own interpretation in there, you have not touched and agreed. You've not, you've not mastered that first part of faith. So it's easy to be moved out of it because you're not rooted in what God said and what God said only. And you're not rooted in spiritual consciousness because you're taking something from your human perspective and you're mixing it in with there. Mixing it in with God's truth. Mixing it in with spiritual truth. God's word. Putting your own interpretation on it. So it'll be more palatable, palatable maybe. And so he says, no. He doesn't want you to be like him. And once you, and it, because he, God had told Adam and Eve that once you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Satan, which is the thinking that we have, which is a doubt. That's what Satan represents. Anytime you start contemplating something from the human perspective and start wondering, well, what if he's wrong? What if God's wrong, rather? What if God's wrong? What if, for me, it doesn't work? And I used to think that way because I felt like I could pray for you, Peter. I could pray for you, Michael. Or I could pray for you, Barry and Harriet. I could pray for everybody else. And it will work because I trust and agree. But when it came for praying for me, I didn't believe it. And it didn't manifest a lot because I didn't trust and agree it for me. I believed God's word, but I didn't believe it and trust it for me. Anybody ever had that consciousness? Adam and Eve, or Eve, represents your spiritual awareness. And the moment you take your spiritual awareness and dummy it down by limiting it into the human consciousness, what happens is you start creating more limitation. It's infinite, but it's infinite limitation. So the moment she ate of the knowledge, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she knew she was naked, but then she became ashamed. There's a difference there. She had no knowledge of her body at first. She had knowledge of the spirit within and her spiritual vibration. She had no knowledge of her body. The moment you contemplate duality, what comes with duality is all of the negative thoughts and fear-based thoughts. The moment you contemplate duality, you introduce into your body limitation and death because you become conscious of that which is limited more so than you are that which is infinite. And when you're confident, confident and more trusting in that which is limited, your thoughts start to create in a way that causes your body to decompose. It lowers the vibration in your body and you get closer and closer to death. We're not created to die. We're created to re-heal, re regenerate. We're created to self-heal. That's why when you get a cold or a virus, the doctor says, go home and get rest. Now, when you get something that's bacteria-based, they'll give you an antibiotic, but your body still can heal it on its own. And this is the kicker. When you start taking an antibiotic and you're trusting what God's saying to you, the moment you trust it, you create a boost of the vibration of, of a healing, healing adrenaline in your body, and then it boosts whatever you're taking. It becomes the metabolic chemical... Um, the chemical makeup of the antibiotic that you're taking. Or if you have a headache and you go to take an aspirin or something or an Advil because of a pain or whatever, the moment you think that that's gonna be healed from that Advil or whatever you take, your body creates a vibration that boosts it. It makes it work. What if you said, you know what, I'm healed. And then you trusted and was confident in it. And then you acted like you were healed. 
actively releasing the issue. Now, you may still have the hurt. In a moment, you may still have a hurt feeling. In a moment, you may still have a hurt issue in your body. You may, it's a healing opportunity. Why do I call it a healing opportunity? Because it's an opportunity to realign your mind to create healing again in your life. And we have those opportunities every single day. Every single day. The moment you're not feeling comfortable, the moment your feelings are hurt, it's another healing opportunity. It's a healing in the emotion. You have to touch and agree with what it is that is so. You have to trust and have confidence in it, and then you have to let it go and release it. Move into faith through relaxing. What does it mean? Relax my grip and let it go. And trust that it is in God's hands in divine timing. Does that make sense? Does it make sense to all of you, maybe? Yes? Yes. I want us to be like this. This is a little girl. God said, come with the heart of a child, right? She doesn't even know this is a statue. She believes she can help this person. Oh, my God, that cross is on that person's back. Let me go help that person. She doesn't even believe that she can't lift that. But she's trying, so she's trying it with her heart, with the spirit of love and the spirit of joy. You know the joy the kids have when they try to help and you allow them to help. What if we actively rest in our conscious awareness of God? What if we trust that which we have accepted and agreed that is the truth of God? And what if we do like this by walking in that truth that we know, not, not even contemplating any type of limitation? This little girl doesn't know it's a limitation there. She doesn't even know it. What if we walk in that consciousness? How would your life really be? And I know there's a lot of us who are probably feeling really good where we are in our life right now. But that new name has come for you to experience another aspect of your spiritual identity, for you to move into I am in a higher vibration, for you to move into a space where you know nothing is too great for you, that you realize that the greatest part of you is the part you cannot see, and that you are one with that part. And instead of letting God move in and as through you, you move in and as and through God. What if we do that? What if we release holding on and trying to control it and actively trust and actively rest in the faith and live the truth that we know? How would this world be if you did that? If you went to every one of your issues, because you are going to have trials and tribulation, and you went to it just like that, knowing that as you go to lift it up, it is God that does the lifting not you. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes. Can we walk in that consciousness together? Yes. I want you, when I say, what is your name? I want you to say your name again, and I want you to emphasize, I am, and then say your name. What is your name? I am wisdom and light. Say it again. I am wisdom and light. One more time. I am wisdom and light. Now, the reason why I say do it three times is because you're activating the spirit 
which talks to the soul and then causes the body to actively rest in what you have said in the faith that it is so. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 I'm done. Thank you. I got waves that are tossing me, crashing all over my beliefs. And in all sincerity, Lord, want to be yours, So pull me out of this mess I'm in, cause I know I'm wandering. Lead my soul back home again, I've always been yours, This world may push, may pull, but your love it never fails. You Oh my God. 
Thank you for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings, but still want to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page at www.unityfh.com donate.